This is another episode of Connecting the Dots podcast. I'm Skip Stewart, Vice President and Chief Improvement Officer for Baptist Memorial Healthcare. Hi, everybody. I'm H.F. Mason. I'm a general surgeon and chief medical officer at Baptist Memorial Hospital, DeSoto. And hey, everybody, I'm Jake Lancaster. I'm an internal medicine physician and the chief medical information officer for the Baptist system. Well, today I am so excited because as a Shingo examiner and as a Shingo alumni, I have uh, outside of Baptist, I have my other boss here, Ken Snyder, which is the executive director for the Shingo Institute. Welcome, Ken. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm really excited about being here with you, Skip, and and uh, the physician host that we have to talk to. So thank you for having me, Ken. Uh, once again, thank you for being here. For our listeners who don't know what the Shingo Institute is, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about exactly what the Shingo Institute is, what it does, how it came to be, if you don't mind? Yeah, I would I would love to. Um... We started as just the Shingo Prize in 1988, and the Institute is named after Shigeo Shingo, who is a consultant that was hired by Toyota in the mid-1950s to train Toyota's leaders and help Toyota's leaders develop what is now called the Toyota production system. Uh, Dr. Shingo never worked for Toyota other than as a consultant. He was never an employee. But he worked closely with Toyota for over 37 years into the early 1980s. Um, he he estimates that he he did workshops for over 6,000 Toyota leaders during those 37 years. He also wrote 17 different books, many of which you can see on the shelf behind me up there. This is these are all original Shingo books right there. Um, he and 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 he introduced our world, if you will to a number of concepts that have become very common in, in uh, the lean world. The concepts such as airproofing, which some of you may be aware of the Japanese word pokeyoke. He's also introduced uh, quick changeover, which has also been shortened to SMED, but in Japanese it's called shinguru dandori. And he also introduced the world to the idea of one piece flow uh, and so on. And, and he, He's he's just been such a, a great innovative thinker. We are honored to have the institute named after him. He came to the university in 1988 and received an honorary doctorate. And at that, at that time, we asked permission to start the prize, and he gave us permission to do that. And so we've been in existence now with and the Shingo Prize and the Shingo Institute for 33 years. Let me let me just kind of do a little history because I think it will provide some interesting context for your for the listeners and for those who view this view this. We gave out the Shingo Prize starting in 1989, and for about the first 15 years or so, we gave it to a number of organizations, but mostly North American manufacturers. Um, and and we had it simply it's changed a lot right now. Most most of our applicants these days are international, not US based. Uh, many of our applicants, not quite 50%, but getting close to 40% are, are non-manufacturers, meaning they are healthcare organizations, financial institutions, logistics firms, other kinds of service organizations and, and so on. So we have expanded a lot in terms of both geography and also in terms of industry coverage. Um, but let me tell you what what is more important, and and this is for those who have been through Shingo workshops, such as 
such as Skip has. Um, about 15 years into the Shingo prize, we started to see a disturbing pattern. We, we would see some organizations, and unfortunately not even half of the recipient organizations continue to get better and better over time. And over half of them, the majority of them kind of peaked out and then they would start to decline. And some of them got so bad that people would come to us and they'd say, have, have, have you seen those guys? You gave them a shingle prize? I mean, it was, it was embarrassing. <laughs> and we figured, we, we knew something was wrong with the way we were helping organizations. Our, our goal is to help organizations improve and keep improving. But we, this backsliding is not part of, of, of what we wanted to be seeing, especially from those that had achieved such excellent results. And, and so we did a, we initiated a research study and we looked at all of the recipients, both those that had, had started to decline and also those who kept getting better. And we especially focused though on the ones that kept getting better. And we learned a number of things that we think are very valuable for anybody who is trying to do improvement. It doesn't matter whether you're a manufacturer, doesn't matter if you're a financial institution, doesn't matter if you're a healthcare institution. We learned some basic lessons. One is the companies that kept getting better and better focused on behaviors, not on results. They focused on the behaviors that led to the results. I'll just give you a quick example of that. And that is, and, and this is one of the, the stories we documented in the research was we, we go to an organization and they say, you know, they, they said, we don't look at the, the KPIs anymore. We don't look at the, those performance indicators. We look at the, the behaviors that lead those. And they gave safety as an example. Said, we know we have to report to OSHA how many people are hurt on the job and how many days lost there were. But we look at how many safety catches did we have? How many near misses did we then report and then take action? And the most important thing they said was, how many corrective actions did we implement that would prevent one of those near misses from turning into an accident or a safety catch from turning into an accident? What are the actions to prevent those from ever happening? And they said, we started tracking that and our, our injuries on the job went way down and our days lost went way down. And so that's the kind of thinking we saw across all of these organizations. They were looking at the right kind of behaviors and actions that would prevent safety issues or prevent quality problems or prevent and you know and and i go on so we found we, we put that into what we call an insight that we kind of share with everybody it's it's that ideal results require ideal behaviors and the the second key thing we learned was that people will do the right thing you know they, they'll do those ideal behaviors if they understand why the purpose behind it and so purpose clearly yeah. drives ideal behaviors. But the problem is, is if we don't make it easy for people to do the right things, eventually they stop doing them. Our research showed that, and we continue to do research in that field incidentally, but you have to change the system or people will stop doing those ideal behaviors. You've got to make it easy for them to do the right thing and hard for them to do the wrong thing. And once you do that, you can lock in that ideal behavior. You've got to change, you've got to have the right purpose so they understand the why, and then you've got, as leaders, we have to change the systems to make it easy. And we put that into a second insight, we, we call it purpose and systems drive behaviors. And the third thing we learned is whenever we asked those companies that kept getting better and better and better, 
why they did this or why they did that. They could always articulate a reason why. And we started collecting all those reasons why as we did this research and we then turned around and put them into what we call our guiding principles. And those guiding principles, we say this is the third insight we have guiding principles inform ideal behaviors. So they answer that question, why? Why do you do this? Why do you do that? And we can articulate that. Now, turn that into, reverse that around. If you know the principles, then you can think through, oh, maybe I should do this, or maybe I should do that. Let's test those ideas out and see if it actually makes a difference. They can guide us on that, on that pathway. And I'll give you some examples of that in a little bit. I just wanted, we're, we're in the, we exist to help organizations improve the process of improvement. And what we want to do is help you learn from the mistakes that all the rest of us have made over the last 30, 40 years. So you don't have to punish yourself by learning them all by yourselves anymore. You can understand the principles. You can avoid having to test, test, test to figure out why we do this or why we do that. Now, there's obviously some testing and some learning you're going to have to do within your own organization, but Hopefully you can get a lot farther and a lot get there a lot faster because you've learned from the mistakes that others have made before you. And that's, that's why we want to share that with you. We want to share it with the rest of the world. And that's why we developed the Shingo model. I think this is a, a printed version of it, but we make this available for download on our website. So this is something I hope you distribute you know, as much as you can throughout the the organization, yeah, and I've got I've got that one right here, as you can see, Discover Excellence, on my bookshelf. But yeah, yeah we've we've published a couple of books to help to help organizations. This is kind of a simple one. The one that Skip just held up is a little more complicated, but but oh yeah, we, Skip uh, Skip has been passing out books all over the place, so you got to <laughs> watch out for him. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and, and, and those original Shingo books that you had, I, I know that he's had several translated into English, but th those look like they're in Japanese. Yeah, so. These are the 17 that are in, originally in Japanese. Seven of the books got translated into English. That's these over here on this yeah. shelf right here. Uh -huh. um, Shingo was was never one to. I'll give you. I'll give you a worst case example. Okay, there is one chapter of every the in every single book. Every of the seven. I I lived and worked in Japan and read Japanese, so I I can go into the. the that was Japanese your major in college, right? Japanese, mm -hmm. Japanese was your major in college. Is that what I was a minor. I did minor, a minor okay. in Japanese, but and but I've I've lived and worked there a few times and and uh, worked for a Japanese company for for over a decade and that. So, so but but there's one chapter that he repeated in every single book. Okay, we don't need to translate that all seventeen times. <laughs> it's it's essentially the same chapter, and but it's but it's one he obviously and and yeah. strangely enough. We still see today that people don't get, and so yeah, there's a lot of redundancies. I think that uh, the people that worked on translating his books picked the seven best to translate. There's there's one or two that might we might benefit from from translating that I've looked at. Most most of the material though is covered in one of the other books because Shingo was never afraid to be redundant if he kept seeing the same problem <laughs> even though it was addressed once. Sure. Yeah. So you mentioned you know, prior to us starting the recording that you've recently been spending a lot more time in hospitals. And I was reviewing the sh previous Shingo Award winners uh, on your website, and I, I know there was a, you know, a fair number in healthcare, but they seem to be more pharmaceutical or medical device manufacturers. And I couldn't find 
on that was a hospital we or healthcare have, we system. We have had one recipient hospital, uh, Denver Public Health. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I did see that one. That one um, yeah, did pop out at me, and, you know, and the, I wanted to learn more about it. But I wanted to get your take as to to why that is, you know, so few, despite, you know, I guess so, that you're spending more time in them. You know, is it is it have anything to do with it being a service industry? I also didn't find many, you know, non, you know, product based companies uh, listed so, on there. So I have been I've been in a lot of hospitals and I'll tell you some of the things I've observed. First, first thing I've observed, most of the hospitals I go to have units that are all in and others that aren't. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and in, a, in a manufacturing facility where you have a singular focus of producing a product, it's a lot easier to get all of the units involved, even if it's support units, because the, everybody's around, we got to make this product, we got to make this semiconductor, we got to make this medical device, or we got whatever. In a hospital, you have so many different units that you have both people who are, are you know, out on the leading edge or bleeding edge of something, and you have the laggards that take a while before they start adopting anything. And I see I, there's very few hospitals I've been in where the whole organization is unified around doing the shingle model or lean or whatever you want to whatever you want to call it. It just takes a lot more time and effort to get the whole organization unified around. A common cause and everybody were on the same page on, on the improvement effort. And so how did Denver Health do it? Um, they a lot of engagement from the top that that got everybody engaged. You know, there's a great book about it. I don't know if you've read it. So the lean prescription is the book that Dr. Gabo wrote about Denver Health's journey. Um, and they lots of great stories, lots of things that you might learn from on this book, but but uh, she's she was awesome, um, and but it's still a lot of top down driven, and and they struggled to get everybody engaged, even even with the uh, the support from the top. That's that's very interesting, and I like the way you you said that that, you know, a manufacturing in uh, company or in the manufacturing industry, they're focusing on one product, whether it's a a, a car, or or whatever. And I, you know, I'm I'm probably going to step up, maybe step on some of our physicians' listeners' toes, but, you know, we are our our customer is supposed to be the patient that we're taking care of, and a lot of times we talk about being a truly patient-focused uh, profession or patient-focused organization, which a lot of times we're not. You know, a lot of times we tend to be. Uh, you know, I hate to say it, physician-centric. I mean, we're focusing on us instead of focusing focusing on on that one patient customer, and and I, I can see where that would really hint, that that hinders hinders what you guys are looking looking at. Yes, and and what's what's funny, I, I I do a whenever I'm in a hospital, I get a chance to ask, okay, which people are doing this and which ones aren't, and. And they'll always give me a, you know, kind of the list of here are the people that are really doing it or trying to do it anyway. And, and then there's a, there's a, and it's funny, I've, I've kept kind of a, a, a checklist of which units, because the units are pretty standard for most hospitals, especially if they're, you know, if you're a small regional hospital, there's lots of things you don't have maybe, but, but a, a full-fledged hospital has, you know, maybe 15 to 20 units and they're pretty, there's ones that are always in there. And I'll tell you, 
it's funny. I've never had a hospital yet tell me that their pharmacy department is engaged. And 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 that's one that I've never been able to check off the list. And, and so I'll even ask I'll say, when they tell me, well, the surgeries that we've got the surgeons involved, or we've got ED involved, or we've got, you know, and they'll go through the list of who's involved, and and then I'll say, okay, uh, do you have a pharmacy department? Yeah, are they involved? No, we can't get them engaged. Yet. And I that's, don't know why that is, but I. That sounds so surprising. They're, you know, the most, the easiest people to work with and usually the most supportive. So Yeah, that is, that is surprising. And it's, and wow. it's also funny because you'd think of all the places that, that were an error, you know, you want to error proof that yeah. more, perhaps more so than anywhere else because that's, and they're really good at it anyway, just because they get trained that way. They know if they make a mistake, if there's an error made that that it you know it, it could result in a death or something like that and so they they get it but then they don't want to look at how can we improve it and make it even better you know i, I don't know what it is but so so if i if i ever get wow. a chance i got i got to speak up now is okay. um, if you come to baptist ken sometime uh, i can take you to some pharmacies uh, at certain hospital to say they're engaged would be an understatement. Excellent. Uh, I'd love to hear that. Thank you. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I uh, agree. We have we have one hospital that won a national uh, opioid reduction award by way of using uh, Toyota Kata in the pharmacy, and uh, I'd love uh, to share that I've with seen, you. Is that the one that the Toyota uh, T T S C C or whatever T S S C whatever they call it? Is they made a video of working with a pharmacy unit, but they didn't. No, that wasn't what? the same one. That no, wasn't, the same, okay. wasn't the same one. But I got to brag on our pharmacy folks. They've done some great work with Toyota Kata and with TWI and just thought you would enjoy hearing that. I, I love hearing that. I want to come see it sometime when I can come see it and 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 you can you'll actually let me in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Hopefully that'll be soon. I hope so. Too. I got my my second jab on the 8th, so. I'm, I'm, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank yes. you. So, 1 of the things I was going to ask, uh, you know, I, I know. There's a lot of the, the, the principles behind uh, Shingo are looking at. The, the process and improving the process as opposed to, you know, sometimes what we do in healthcare, a lot of times what we do in healthcare is blame the, the individual. Blame the physician, blame the clinician for, for a mistake or an error. Um, you know, in. In healthcare, maybe compared to some of the other industries that you've looked at, you know, it does seem like maybe to me, you know, who's naive and never worked outside of healthcare, that we have a lot more processes. Given that the the output, the patient, uh, the disease, they're all unique. We never have the same. We never have the same patient twice, right? Um, is, is that part of the reason why you know, driving these improvements, getting to that? You know, Shingo award-winning institution in healthcare is so difficult. I, it's just because the processes are so varied. I I, I think not. Um, there there are a lot of repetitive processes in healthcare, and I I observed them. And 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 I'll just I'll just give a simple example. You know, we we've got a surgeon here. So, it, how many different ways are there to do a heart bypass surgery? It's not not very many. It's pretty standard, and 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 still the the problem is is that one surgeon might want to do it one way, and one surgeon might want to do it, do something differently, and they both think they're right, and maybe maybe they are, but yeah. but they ought to check with each other and and look at what each other does, and 
one of them has is doing something better and the other one might be doing something else better and they could learn how to do it better together. And HF, did we ever get you to use that same suture? As this, your is, this is where Jake brings up the sutures <laughs> at all, every time, you know, <laughs> they, we, we Ken, we won't, but we won't bore you with with that That's story. Fine. But, but it, it, it always leads though. to the suture. <laughs> There's, there are lots of things that can be standardized and documented and and trained, and work, and everybody can learn from it. And and uh, it, with, yeah. but I I find in healthcare for some reason there is a my way is the best way and his way isn't as good kind of thinking going on. And I think that's a bigger problem from what I've observed anyway in all the hospitals I've been in. Then, then it's just too complicated. Now there are some things that complicate it, and that's because of other conditions. You might you might be looking at a patient for this, but they also have this, this, and this. And so the process for a patient, when you look at them holistically, as you need to do, you need to can't you can't just look at you can't just look at the diabetes. You might have to look at everything else that's affecting them, right? It's just as an example, um, and and that that complicates that complicates everything and and makes the process look different for for each patient, and that makes you know in a in a production plant there's a, like a single flow, but with a patient there might be you know twenty five different steps in a flow that goes back and forth and 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 so on. That doesn't mean it's impossible to develop a clear. Uh, process for every patient, though, I, sure. I believe that I believe there should be a process, and and if if you haven't been able to start doing that, start with the easy ones where you're doing it repetitively, and then build from there, and you'll be able to eventually map out a good treatment, standard treatment for almost anything you ever see. Medical records yeah. ought to enable this, incidentally. You can, yes, if you can look at treatment paths of you know, Let's just look at the US 300 million records. Somebody else has probably looked at something you've done before and you can see what worked and what didn't work and improve on it and then add to the database that you share. This idea of knowledge sharing is is huge in, in industry. We there's a term that Toyota has shared with the world that we call it Yokoten. That means you know taking something you've learned somewhere and, and teaching it somewhere else. Healthcare could could benefit immensely from knowledge sharing. And and the fact that the part of the problem before is that each hospital is so siloed. We've looked mm -hmm. at medical schools to try to collect that through research, but that doesn't that doesn't give you the practitioner viewpoint and real life data. And and I think medical records is a way of uh, where you can positively share something that has worked with everybody in the world and instantaneously improve the process, if you will. No, and we have a little bit of that. So within the electronic health record that we use, uh, we have something called the community library, which every organization that's on the same um, system can go in and look and see what everybody else's treatment protocols are for various diseases. And so we, we have that, and that does help, especially when we're trying to refine our own um, things. And so we, we have you know, basic medical treatment algorithms for every disease that comes into our hospital for the most part. Um, it's the the outliers that you were talking about, which incidentally, you know, the the normal medical patient that comes in just simple congestive heart failure without anything else. Um, there's there's not as many of those as you would think. It's more more likely it's the congestive heart failure with end stage renal disease and COPD and 
mm-hmm. morbid obesity and everything else in the book that comes in through the hospital and you got to figure out what to do for that one yeah that's why i went into surgery so you can just have a simple <laughs> appendicitis or a simple uh yeah. Yeah. gallbladder we can but, do those yeah but uh you know when you look at the ken when you look at the shingo model you know you put you put culture in the center and then you have your guiding principles yep. and whatnot I, I wanted to talk a little bit about tools and you know when it comes to lean nowadays, there there are all kinds of tools out there that that organizations use, whether it's Kata or Lean Six Sigma, Kaizen events or whatnot. And and you see a lot of these organizations that that they take these tools and they think that the tool is, is what's going to save them or what's going to turn their organization around. But but when but you guys say that you know the tools only focus on the how. And, and and not the why. C- could you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. So so and and once again, I'll go back to learn from our mistakes. Okay. We, I, I ran manufacturing companies for thirty years, and I made lots of mistakes and learned from those mistakes. You guys don't have to do our mistakes all over again. You can you can learn from our mistakes. So when we first looked at Toyota, for example. One of the things that people started picking up was just in time, but what they didn't pick up is all the things that made just in time possible. So they started trying to do just in time and it was a disaster. And a lot of uh, other people would pick up the combine. I don't know if you know what, what I mean by combine, but that's a, a card system to, to create a, a pull through the process, right? So you're, you're not pushing product through the product process. You don't, you don't move product until there's a pull there. And you do it with a little card that's called a Kanban card. I saw a lot of companies implement Kanban without doing the support structure around it. And and so you can use a tool that you observe at Toyota, but you miss the culture and you miss all of the other things that support it. And, And every time I saw a company try to do a Kanban without doing any of the other stuff, which was most of the time, it just was a failure. Don't just adopt a tool to adopt a tool. Figure out what you're what you're trying to accomplish and then go through and study the tools and figure out which tool fits this the best. Then put that tool into a system that will make sure the tool functions the right way in your system because you're looking at your whole organization and how that system. So let, let's just pick a Kanban as it needs to be part of an overall pull system and a flow system. And you've got to be thinking about how Kanban as a tool supports that. And, and then it, then you might be able to use it effectively. But what we see way too often, and, and I'll go back to, to what we saw in the 15 years before we, we changed the model and put culture as a big piece in it. Culture was the biggest thing that was missing. We saw Lots of organizations that adopted tools and some that had developed some good systems and were able, maybe not even deliberately, to drive some great results, but it was not sustainable because they didn't make the fundamental changes to the culture or to the behaviors of the organization, the actions that the people were taking to be able to sustain improvement over time. And that's what you need to do. You, You don't adopt tools unless you have a clear purpose in mind and have researched it and you're doing it as part of a system change that's going to be something that makes it easier for people to do the right thing. Then use that tool to make it easy for people to do the right thing. That's that's perfect. That's very well said. Yeah, you know, I know we only have a few minutes left and 
you know, I, again, I wanted to you know, just go back to your recent experience. You said you've been visiting a lot more hospitals and healthcare systems. So overall, are you optimistic that more and more hospitals and health systems will be winning the Shingo prize moving forward? Where, where do you see the industry as it's evolving? I, I, I think it's harder to get a hospital to that level across the whole hospital, but I love the fact that there's an increasingly number. I'm, I'm, I'm a, a, a board of directors member of Catalysis, so I get a, a lot of line mm -hmm. of sight into, and we also have a couple of our uh, affiliate organizations who work pretty closely with hospitals, Value Capture and GBMP and, and so on. And so I, I get a chance to see a lot. I see a lot more breadth, a lot more organizations that are doing it across their whole organ, across the whole hospital, and even across their whole hospital group. Um, and and that's a, that really is inspiring to me. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the research being done at Clear at Berkeley. Skip's going yeah okay so so we do a survey each year to find out how many hospitals are doing some lean and it's about seventy percent of all the hospitals in North America are doing something. And the, yeah. another question we ask every year is how many units in your hospital, how many you know departments in your hospital are doing it. And the average is two right now, mm. two out of, at, of the 15 or 20 that they have in a tip. So we're getting a lot of breadth, but we're not getting much depth. But that yeah, number has been creeping up year over year. That's and good. so we're seeing, you know, just a survey of all of them, we're seeing more that are trying to tackle it hospital wide and not just a few people who want to, hey, I want to go do that, which is, yeah, so there's your, yeah, I got the time there. I did want to ask one other one other thing. You know, I know that Skip is a Shingo examiner, and uh, Paul Terry, who's who has helped us with our Baptist management system, he's a Shingo examiner, and and we get to hear about all these cool trips that they make to Japan or wherever to to be examiners. But you know, we had this thing called COVID, and we, we've been about a year into the pandemic, and you know, everybody including us, we've, we've had to evolve. And, and I would just like to hear how COVID has affected you guys during the past year. H have y'all still been able to continue so, your examinations? So, um, let me get, we were able to, we converted our workshops first and Skip knows what I mean by workshops because you've been through them all. We, we work focused on that first and, and that's been very successful and we're almost back up to the same level of participation in workshops as we were before the pandemic started. The second thing we focused on was our conference and other events. And we're seeing a lot of attendance, but we're finding there's, there's, uh, uh, people want to pay a different price for a virtual conference than what they do for in person. And, and so we struggled with getting the right kind of pricing to make it worthwhile. Uh, the the process of changing our site visits has been much more difficult, but we are in the we completed that conversion last fall. We are now doing uh, site visits. I don't know if you've been assigned to a team yet or not, Skip. But but we've had we, we've got uh, six different organizations right now that are in the process of having site visits as we speak. And so we're when we're doing it virtually, we have a I don't know if if. Skip's ever shared this with you, but we have a, a, a group of senior uh, team leads that are a long-term, Paul was, was a member of this for a long, long time. Uh, it's our senior examiner committee and they oversee all of our site visits and they develop the standard work for how to do this virtually. And we learned a lot from that process. We got some Shingo recipient organizations that volunteered to be pilot sites for us to test different things out. 
And so we got our standard work down first, and now we're in the process of, of running it up for the first six times right now. So, but but I'll go back to that standard work. Once you you got to get the standard work before you can figure out how to improve it. You got to have something that's the baseline to to work off of. And that's right. we've we figured out there's some some things we can't do. And I'll I'll give you an example of something we we wouldn't want to try to tackle. Let's just say you're a you're a a big open pit mine that is 100 square, 10 miles each way, 100 square miles. We have not figured out how to do a site visit for that virtually. Okay, <laughs> okay. so we, we did put some limits around what we can do. I'm not sure we're, we haven't had any hospitals apply of the, the first six that we're tackling. I'm not quite sure how the examiner team would look at a hospital. I, that, that's a question I haven't asked, so I don't know. Maybe they already talked about it, and I, do, I just am not aware of it. You know, we, we had our joint commission survey a few weeks ago here in DeSoto, and it was done virtually. Did it? Okay. So it, 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 was, that, it was very interesting. It went well. They, 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 they did a good job, but uh, it, it was very different, but it went well. Good, good. That, that's good to know, and I, I will share that back to the examiner committee. But they're also going back to in person. I think starting next month. I think I think you're right. Yep. So we 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 can't we we're still on a travel ban till May, yeah. so we can't even we can't send examiners nor can we travel until at least May and who knows how much past that. So, no site visit, no in person site visits until after that. Well, Ken, thank you so much for your time. You know, just to make a, a commentary on some of the. Uh, things about healthcare. I think for me, at least, I don't know if this is helpful for anyone else. In a conversation I had recently with uh, uh, Dr. Edgar Schein, he, he uh, made this statement. He said, "You know, healthcare is arguably the most complex socio-technical system that exists." Yep. yep. And one of the things that occurs many times in the improvement science and the improvement world with people that he's been exposed to in his life. Uh, is that um, we get infatuated with the technical, you could call that the tools, and we tend to give lip service to the socio side of things. And that creates another, another challenge also within all industries, but also in healthcare. And, and so I thought that was interesting insight that, that he provided. You know, you know it's, a, it's a great comment, Skip. I have never met anybody in healthcare that wasn't driven by the purpose though. Yes, agree. I've met lots of people in other industries that aren't driven by the purpose. They're just there because it's a job. That's I've right. never met a doctor that didn't do it because they wanted to help somebody. I have never, I've never met a nurse. I've never met one of the support staff that wasn't there because they believe in helping people get better or Absolutely. saving lives or whatever. And, and Absolutely agree. Absolutely and, and, agree. And, and that, that, that even goes back to the, the question that, that uh, Dr. Mason asked earlier about about blame when what, there's nobody I know in healthcare that it intentionally harms anybody else. It just doesn't happen. It's usually due to some sort of process problem. It is not a people problem. It's not people wanting to hurt others. There's something broken in the process. Absolutely agree. So completely agree. Completely agree. Well, Ken, thank you so very, very much, my friend for uh, for coming on, uh, I feel honored to tell people that uh, I'm an alumni and a Shingo examiner, and I'm so thankful for the great work that you're doing. And just on behalf of Baptist Memorial Healthcare, I just 
once again, want to say thank you, my friend. I just, I just wish you all well and and keep saving lives and and uh, we'll get through this pandemic and and get back to a little bit more normal healthcare system too. In the meantime, I hope. That's right. Thank, thank you, Ken. Thanks. Good to meet you guys. Good to meet you. Thank you. Okay. Bye bye.